Hi guys, it's Tabs from the Superpower Podcast and we are on our second season. Yes, you heard right. This is season two where we get to interview some amazing, powerful, strong, ambitious women on this channel, man. We get to learn about their incredible journeys and, and what the future holds. So make sure you check out our podcast. It will be dropping every two weeks, Monday morning, 7 a.m. sharp, wherever you consume it. Google, Spotify, NKFM, Apple Podcasts, we will be there. So make sure you guys check it out and get to learn from these incredible ladies. See you soon. What's up, everyone? It's Tebs, and you're listening to the Superpower Podcast. This week, my guest is Nkhabise Mudao, who has worked on local and global campaigns for some of the world's most loved brands at the helm of SA's top multinational agencies. Nkhabise Mudao co-founded Think Creative Africa, where she is currently Chief Creative Officer. Think is a through-the-line creative agency that combines truly African creativity and data-led insights to generate ideas that solve business problems and impact society. She'll let us know all about that. Nkhabiseng also holds a bachelor's degree in creative brand communication from the Vega School of Brand Innovation. During her time there, she was awarded a gold pandoring. Oh, you know, like all this creative stuff, I might need to be corrected on how it's like meant to be said for the branding of the Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital, amongst other accolades. Um, Khabi Singh began her career at Ogilvy, Johannesburg, working on some of South Africa's most loved brands, such as DSTV, Salsi, and Cadbury. She has also worked at F FCB Africa on brands such as Old Mutual, Wimpy, and Coca-Cola, for which she was awarded a gold glory in the category of effective creativity. She is a member of the Creative Circle SA Exco Board, a 2020 ADC juror and a returning member of the Ad Stars jury for 2021. She has been a recurring judge for Lori's, Pandorings, Creative Circle, and Cannes Young Lions. <laughs> oh my word, she was a jury member for the 2020 DNA D Awards and is a member of the AV in Bev Brains Trust. Shoo! I needed to like hold my breath right towards the end. How yes. are you doing, I'm, I'm like, who is this chick when I'm listening back to all that stuff? I'm like, she sounds great. <laughs> I know, she sounds awesome. She's an overachiever. Uh, I'm like, what? <laughs> I guess that's the thing with styles. You try to cram everything into them. Um, yeah. And it's so funny. You can't and even relate to your own bio sometimes. Seriously, don't you ever like listen to some of the things you've accomplished and think like, I'd like to be friends with that chick. Exactly. Like, how did she get all that in within her short lifetime? It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So Nkhabi, guys, um, is someone who um, I know quite well. She's one of our clients in one of the businesses that I run. Um, and that's how we met and through the social circles of Joburg. Really cool chick. But this is not about me. This is about you. For So for people who are listening to the show and they're just like, who is this girl with a CV that is like so impressive? Just, yeah, just let us know like who you are, where you're from and how you became Nkhabi. Um, I'm Khabiseng Mudao. Um, I grew up in Woodbank and Broncosprate, which are both small towns just outside of Pretoria on your way to Mbombela. Um, so if you, you travel down the N4, you'll come across both. And then I studied here in Johannesburg. Um, as my bio listed, I studied at Vega. I was pretty certain about 
going to a school like that because I wanted something that mixed um, commerce and creativity. I didn't know what that was, but somebody suggested advertising. And so I went to Vega and applied and I got in. And ever since then, I've been in the advertising industry. Um, how I became Khabi. <laughs> um, <laughs> Becoming, like Michelle, Michelle say, yes. <laughs> um, honestly, a series of like super fortunate events um, backed by like crazy hard work and not taking no for an answer and surrounding myself with people that also see the light at the end of the tunnel and literally yeah. a day at a time, honestly. Sure, sure. It's it's actually crazy because I was actually thinking about my my network and how it's full of accountants because I'm from an accounting background. So how was it that when the rest of us were being told to study accounting and law and medicine, you went like completely the opposite way um, into, I guess, the creative arts? You know, I was told to study accounting and law. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I guess I didn't listen. The funny story is that I applied for the one my parents were pushing for, or my mom, which was engineering, being from Woodbank. That's a very big oh, wow. field there because Woodbank, um, some of us will know, is a big mining town. So mining yes. engineers, they live comfortable lives. Um, and so when we looked up to see who's successful around here, it's like mining engineers, uh, mining managers. They they drove big cars. They yeah, you know, like living the life. So, um, my mom said go for mining engineering because my math and science were decent. So, I applied for that to the University of Pretoria, and I was hoping they would just say no. And then they said, <laughs> <laughs> "Come, come, be an engineer. Come." <laughs> it was terrible. They were like. Uh, I, I mean, I'm saying it was terrible. It was actually quite fortunate. I'm not ungrateful or anything. But they were like, come, there's a space at the res. You know, we'll, we'll pay for some of the tuition. I was like, no. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, yeah. So if you if, if they said, come, you know, there's a space at the res, how then did you convince your parents that, hey, um, let's actually you go on the road less traveled? Um, I applied for Vega as well at the same time, and I told them to come and see the campus. I thought that if they were, you know, there, if my mom was at Vega, she would see how exciting of a field it is and how well suited it is to my personality. Because as much as I like the science, yeah. I couldn't see myself at a mine um, every three days and in an office, you know, the rest of the week doing calculations, sure. simulations, all of that kind of stuff. I just couldn't see that being my life. So I took her to Vega and it had the opposite effect. She was like, what is <laughs> She was like, what is this? this has no Why do you want to come here? <laughs> it had the opposite effect because it was in a small building. It didn't have the stature of like a big university. It's industrially decorated, which means like it has exposed ceilings and that kind of thing. She was like, the building is not even finished, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um anyway she said fine apply I applied and then when the the acceptance came through Vega wrote me a really nice letter to say how well suited they believe I am how impressive the portfolio I'd put together was which I had put together in a week um 
you know, and it was like vying for a spot against people who've been putting portfolios together from grade 10 to grade 12. So I was like, look, I think I'm good at this, you know, and I think I'll enjoy it. <laughs> she was like, okay. Yeah. But if you can make it. Okay, with- you do you. Yeah, she was like, that's, that's, it wasn't like you really can do you. It was like, if you're going to take that career path, you better make it work. That, nah. that <laughs> Don't come um, here asking to change courses and dropping out. Like, exactly, yeah. Exactly. So wow. that's how it happened. It was um, quite a risk on my part. But I think when you're a teenager, you're just hungry for like, you know, big risks. You You don't really you don't really consider like how risky certain decisions are. I mean, I don't think teenagers should be deciding what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. The rest of their lives. I 100% agree. I mean, I think it's already a lot to choose your subjects in grade nine, let alone pick your career path in matric. So sure. But anyway, the school facilitated really the rest of the journey because they expose you to agencies and industry awards and that sort of thing as well. Yeah, I was about to ask that because I always find that like varsity is just as important as I guess like your high school and your grounding. What was your experience then like at Vega once you got exposed to this industry and potential agencies and did you already kind of know that this is the path that I want to take and were you then happy with your decision? I think I was. Like I very quickly learned that um the things that I was good at all are really useful in advertising. So whether it's like, you know, a corny sense of humor or, you know, the ability to remember really arbitrary things like scenes from movies or dialogue, you know, from books and um, being like an avid people watcher, just things that I think I was naturally. And then also, what we were studying was so interesting to me, so it never felt like, you know, a huge workload in any in any sense. I get that. I get that. And cool. So, so, so you get your degree, um, and now you have to face the work world. How difficult was it, I guess, to then break into the industry? Um, so I'm not familiar with the creative industry. Mm-hmm. Is it also like super competitive? Are there only a few spots? Like, how did you find navigating all of that? I think the creative industry and the accounting industry like have in like really big parallels. There's the big, you know, companies, the big five, you know, so to speak. And in yeah. those companies, the spots are limited, which allows companies to have the pick of the litter. And, you know, they obviously draw out that process as much as possible to kind of, I guess, expose themselves to as many new graduates as possible and get the best out of that lot. So it's crazy competitive. But in addition to that, it's very hard for black people, especially black women. There's no one reflecting you within the organization. So you're always like other at the beginning of your career, trying to form relationships where sometimes you feel like there's little that you have in common with management and you don't know how to bridge the gap because you're, you're so young. You have, you know, yeah. poor professional social skills, so to speak. And also it feels like you have to, you know, be almost like 10 times better than anyone else coming in off another mm. of the time because people assume that you're just not well-suited for 
that industry. So it was very, very heartbreaking in. Um, I remember that my partner, Mukundi, and I, we, we started working together in college already. Yeah. And when we went to get our first internship at one of the big companies, we worked there and immediately we were like, you know, doing fairly well. So we were put on, you know, real campaigns Whereas yeah. the interns were working on like internal brochures and like, you know, cute little designs for the agency. But at the same <laughs> time, they were being paid double what we be- were being paid. And when we found that what? out, about, when we, found that out <laughs> we were so demoralized because we were working so hard. And so we wrote this long list, um, which was like, it used satire and like, it had kind of like a sing song, you know, principle to it. And it was a hundred and something reasons why you should hire us. And so it kind of read like a poem, but it was a list. I wish I could find it. (laughs) It was so funny (laughs) that that the head of the creative department at the time, she read it out at the, um, I guess, company quarterly. Um, She was like, these girls, it's so great, yada, yada, yada. And then when it came to negotiating whether or not she'd hire us, she then beat around the bush thereafter. She was like, Oh, you know, I, you know, you, we could keep you on the stipend, blah blah blah. No ways. Thinking, my mother is going to kill me because, you know, like we. Yes, I did not study and do all this work to be paid a stipend for work that's comparable to everybody else. Exactly, and also panicking, like, how do I move forward from this low, low point? Because, as you know, when you're moving around, people ask for your pay slip. So even the next company is going to ask for my payslip, find this minuscule salary and want to just do a little bit better. So it was just, yes. it was a very difficult. That period. sounds crazy. Yeah, that sounds difficult. Um, what? So how did you then navigate all that? Because that just sounds insane to me. Like, and I'm sure a lot of young graduates have to deal with that where they're getting paid some form of stipend um, they're doing comparable work their peers are getting paid um, much more than what they are um, how did you then navigate that because um, you had to obviously move off that low base or are you seeing changes in the industry as well yeah it was difficult to navigate it also because there's so much secrecy around what people are getting paid um, and I think companies drive that secrecy uh, so it was hard to like benchmark. I remember asking around like, what's the salary? You know, what's the salary? And people were like either telling us lies, like really over overstating their salaries, mainly boys. <laughs> yes. <Don't> ask- <laughs> That's such a guy thing to Yeah, do. don't ask boys what they make. They're going to lie to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then like other people just not really being willing to share that information. But when we did find where we were at, I just remember feeling really trapped in that number or in that range, you know, because when we would negotiate to move, they'd be like, but we're doubling your salary. And it's like, it doesn't matter if you're doubling my salary, it's 3,000. Like, at the end of the day, if you're doubling... Oh, exactly, like, you, you, you should triple, actually. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> it was difficult. Oh, and my I, word. The industry's gotten better. I mean, now we are hiring and um, what we're paying for, like, an entrance level or like a junior position is so much better. I wish I would have been making that money, honestly. Um, so I'm hoping yeah. that these conversations are a little bit more open in agencies 
around, um, you know, the big agencies, especially when it comes to um, black graduates, because another thing that we don't have is the sense of like, I want to say like entitlement, but I mean it in the positive sense. Like I'm entitled yeah. to a certain amount of money. Um, we we just, I felt like we lacked that, our generation of black people. We just felt like we were being done a favor and we were always being told like, you know, you should be grateful. You should be grateful. Yeah. <laughs> negotiating from a place of like being told you're being done a favor is just awful. So, I mean, I really, That's really true. hope that things have improved. Um, I chatted to somebody else who's been in the industry for much longer than I have. And she said she started at 3.5. And I started about 15 years later than she did also at 3.5. At 3.5. Like insane. Awful, awful, awful. But it does get better. The, the creative industry is very driven by awards in terms of salaries and that kind of thing. So okay. when you start to win awards and you know, be interviewed for things. When you start to build a profile, your earning capability increases, like, you know, a lot overnight as well sometimes. So sure. what I'm hoping is that the base is actually better and that people can improve from a better starting point. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's for most industries. It's not even just the creative industry. I know there was um, also in accounting just just the minimum being raised to an acceptable living standard. That's all. We want to go to work, eat, and have some decent form of living instead of just like scraping by every single month. So um, I think a lot of people will definitely feel you. Yeah, and considering how much parents pay for these institutions, um, it's just not cool. Like I know that, well, I studied on a scholarship of sorts, but... You know, for instance, Vega at the time was around 50,000 rands a year. I'm sure it's much worse now. So you can imagine your parents putting that investment in to be told you're going to start at 3.5. Yeah, that's, that, that is crazy. That's crazy. Sure. Okay, but you were at OHV at FCB Africa, and now you hit up Think Creative. Um, from those um, different agencies, um, what work has impacted you the most or or what work have you thought of like and you just like that's amazing like I put everything into it and I know it, you might be prejudiced to more think creative work but <laughs> like yeah what what work do you because I can tell you one one of my favorite favorite ads that I know you are part of the team was the the coke with the name and the dog Bobby uh, yeah. I absolutely love that and it's so iconic and I don't know how old it is but even now like I remember it and I remember there was a time when I was working ooh, back in the day for another employer and I was looking for my name on a coke bottle wow. so so yeah so, so maybe yeah and that's that was you I didn't even know so I was just like <laughs> yeah what, what work for you do you think of and you think of like geez like that's that's got my stamp um on it <clears throat> I mean that's a good one we did that um campaign for Coca-Cola called Share a Coke with Bobby. Myself and Mugondi um, were the creative team. We had to fight for that piece of work in the sense that they had already briefed another creative team um, who had already been to client a number of times. And there was actually a, a script that was going to be produced, it was approved. But there was an executive creative director at the time uh, who worked with us, uh, James Clutie. He came and he said, 
I, I like the work, but I'm not in love with it. Do you think you guys can come up with something really amazing by tomorrow morning, even though we've sold a script in? But he's telling us at like 4 p.m., hey? So hey. <laughs> in other words, do not sleep. Um, so we literally, we didn't sleep. And then we got that idea at like four in the morning of um, making it a dog, looking for his name and all of that. Um, and after Brilliant. producing that piece of work, it, it went... I think it is one of the more iconic pieces in my career because typically in our industry, we are given work from Europe or wherever and we're told, can you just localize it and put it on TV? So, you know, either yeah. have a voiceover or add a few words here and there and then make it, you know, flight in your industry. But with that piece of work, after we made it, um, Coca-Cola asked to remake it for all the regions in Europe. So it was like it went to like 95 countries. We reached yeah. Kazakhstan. And then my favorite moment of that whole thing was Warren Buffett at the international um, Coca-Cola, you know, call it a convention. Um, yeah. He shows the ad and he says um, that this is an, an incredible piece and it, it, it's a great example um, of Coca-Cola advertising. I mean. What? A whole shout out from Warren Buffett. Um, but... <laughs> There's a lot of think work as well that um, I think really, obviously, I can't, I am going to be biased and, and mention that, but, but the work that we do for DSTV and Mzansi Magic is always so fun. It feels like we're actually making TV, you know, because they're they're a client that makes television. So it, you, you always get to have so much fun with that kind of work. I can't wait for the ad that we've just produced for DSTV to come out. Um, it should be out in a month or so. Um, and then, of course, the things that we do, as I said um, in my bio, we try to impact society. So the field party is such a nice like, creative outlet for us and a way for us to impact other women and draw them nearer to a, an issue that's close to our heart, like breast cancer. Yeah, yeah. Talking more about the field party. I mean, incredible initiative um, founded by yourself and and your best, like your best friend Mukondi is just like it's like Mukhabi and Mukondi. It's like you can't have the one without the other. Uh, <laughs> what what actually like prompted you guys to start that, and and why did you pick the cause breast cancer? So we have this, um, I guess you can call it an initiative at, in our agency where we come up with ideas, proactive ideas for whatever, you know, is sitting on your heart. So it could be work for one of the brands we represent, or it could be work that talks to a particular social issue. And we had um, a designer at the time, Khabo Mamecha, she was working at Think. And she said, you know, I really want to talk about breast cancer in a way that's not intimidating and in a way that's fun. And then at first we were just like, how can you talk about breast cancer in a way that's fun? Just like those That's fun, yes. You know, it's not fun. Cancer's not fun. Um, but sure. when we interrogated the idea, we were like, you know, the reason why a lot of people aren't doing self-examinations, which can be the difference between life and death in the sense that if you find something earlier, more can be done. Um, the reason that people aren't doing it is because, one, young people think, it's a thing you start doing from when you're 40. A lot of people think you have to go somewhere to be examined. Like they don't think yes. you do it yourself. Um, and a lot of people just are too scared to read the information because it always comes with those like frightening diagrams where you see like, you know, the, the sectional of the boob with the lump. And it's just, it's so scary. Yes. 
It's so, scary, yeah. Yeah, so we wanted to redo the message in a way that's like easy to connect with, you know, uh, cool, you know, graphics, simple short captions, stuff telling you what to do, literally at home by yourself. Um, and then have a get together pre-COVID that could allow people to experience the information in person with various experts. So um, that's how that initiative then came to life and we've been running it ever since. Okay, so if people are interested, they're like, sure. I, I always think of breast cancer as a scary thing. Um, how do they get involved? Is it like an event? Um, is there like a website? Like, how does it work? Yeah, so we have an Instagram profile, and that's basically where you can get all the information from. We haven't had a physical event in 2020, and I don't know that we'll have one in 2021 either vaccinations are going slowly we'll see how that goes mm -hmm. who um, knows 2023 <laughs> maybe, you know but at least our online community is still alive we we're still posting um you know information that people need about the subject and keeping people reminded of what they can do by themselves at home yeah, yeah. Very important cause. Absolutely love the work you guys are doing. Okay, but Mkhabi, you're also a boss babe, hey? Like, you co-founded an agency with your bestie, Makondi. Um, how, how has that journey been, being an entrepreneur? Because it's one thing working for an agency and, and working on these big briefs and then starting up your own, I guess, boutique agency. Um, so what has it been like building up Think Creative and what are some of the biggest lessons that you have learned from being an entrepreneur? Um, yeah, it's been quite an interesting journey. I just remember, like, you know, as you were talking about transitioning from employment to entrepreneurship, that there is so much opposition that you face. So it's internal opposition, yourself going, what am I doing? I should probably keep my job. Like, where am I going to get a salary from? What if this whole thing doesn't work? And then there's a ton of external opposition um, I just remember someone we worked for, basically, like a, um, a boss of ours saying, you guys are just not ready. Like, I, I'm telling you because I care about you and <laughs> you are absolutely nowhere near ready for this kind of thing. And oh, my word. I don't think he was, like, being sinister. I just think he really believed we were unprepared. And to a great degree, he was right. But... It doesn't take uh, preparedness. I think what it does take is willingness to get up and do it every single day. Every sure. single day. Like, get up and do it. Use the information you gathered from yesterday to improve what you do the next day. And, like, keep going, you know. Um, I was listening to, I think, um, another podcast called, I'm not going to say on this podcast because I want to promote Super Pop. <laughs> no, you can't. I mean, I don't have any of those like, no, don't use no. brand names. Uh -uh. Let's stay here. We want people to finish this episode and not go search the other podcast. Who <laughs> is? No. So I was listening to a random podcast. and um, Yes, very random. To, they were talking to Ben and Jerry's. Um, and he said, uh, one of them anyway, said, the thing that they learned is just that busy, business means busyness. So what are you going to be busy doing? That's all. It's not a complicated yeah. um, thing. You have to go to a fancy institution to understand. You just have to have a willingness to be busy doing the thing you committed to do. That's all. And oh. when I heard that, I was like, you know, that really simplifies it. It's not 
you know, obviously you have to understand the product that you are making or at least have people in your business that understand that, that product technically and are going to produce something amazing for you. But all you have to do to sustain businesses, just keep going, keep learning, keep going, keep learning, keep going. Just the refinements happen as you go. And then I think that influences how your product gets to market, the kind of clients you have. Um, and then the most important thing there is being able to follow through because when people interact with big businesses, what they love about that, I think, is the predictability. So if I go to yes. McDonald's, I know I'm going to get a Big Mac. It's going to taste bland, but it's the same Big Mac. But I know what it is. Yes, I'm not going to have a nasty surprise at the end. Yes. Exactly. So the, the bad reputation that small businesses or growing businesses have is that, um, you know, inconsistency of delivery. So one person has a fantastic experience and the other one has a terrible one. And as much as you can you know, systematize your business to make sure that your delivery is consistent. You know, I want to say something risky, even if it's average, you know, yeah, <laughs> your product or service is average. If it's consistent, you actually have a business. That's what I think. That is crazy because I, I would, I would definitely agree with you. I think all that people want is, is, is what you promised. So if you say you can do X, then do X. Like, I'm actually not even expecting you to to blow my mind away, but just just do the bare minimum. And I think it's true when you are working with smaller businesses, you 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 hardly get that. Um, you don't get a lot of that experience. Um, and in terms of think and working with um, a very good friend of yours, um, how have you guys been able to navigate being? co-founders and running a business together um, and, and being very good friends because I'm sure that also comes with its own dynamics. Yes, it definitely does. I think the thing that I'm saying about business and the customer is so true for your partner as well. Um, the other person requires a certain level of consistency of delivery from you. Um, and if you can do what you say you'll do in the business, I think the relationship will remain stable. And then, of course, you have to go above that to make sure it, it remains healthy, you know, frequent communication, recalibration all the time of what you expect from the business, what you expect from the other person. Because what you wanted in 2015, what you want now, they're totally different. And then yeah. be honest about the skills that you have for the phase that the business is in. So um, either you're investing in yourself aggressively to grow that skills base as the business grows, or you are pulling um, people into the business that are able to satisfy the places where you have gaps. Okay, cool. I hear a baby in the I'm background. Sorry, Someone's complaining <laughs> about their mom being on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, we, we're nearly wrapping it up. Um, okay, but Nkabi, that's not all you do. So you also have your own podcast. I know you didn't want to promote another one, and I know which podcast you're you referring to. Okay. You just stay on track. <laughs> but you have your own called Why yeah. Is That? And you also yeah. have your blog, um, and just like that. And yeah. while I was cyber-stalking you, mm -hmm. um, I found another, like, YouTube Nkhavi version, a very young Nkhavi. I'm oh. 
Diary of a Red Black Girl. That's oh my god. Yeah, that used to be my blog. I miss that blog a lot. But anyway, um, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. So tell on, us about those. Sure, I'm I'm blogging on and just like that, just to share information about the new phase of life which I'm in, which is motherhood. As you heard, the baby in the background. Um, yeah. There's like absolutely no like certainty in it. It's like wild, all like changing all the time. It's like fast paced, but at the same time, it's not fast enough. Um, you know, it's quite a frustrating but also invigorating phase in my life. So yeah, I'm learning so much. You know, I think between your twenties and your forties, there comes a plateau of learning. You know, from what I've observed, so there, there comes a time when you know a lot. You know what to do at work. You know what to do at home. You know what to do with family. Yeah. You're kind of like a well-rounded person. And then when I when I you know had a baby, it, I that like curve went from like straight to like completely like 45 degree in yeah. terms of like now really lapping up new information. What do I feed this person? How do I get them to rest? How do I rest? How do I dress them? How do I keep them healthy all of these questions I hope to like share information around on and just like that um and the first post that I put up was around breastfeeding because nobody you know tells you uh, you know like that's going to be a tough thing you just think it's super yeah like they just latch and that's it definitely not the case but you know, so I'm blogging about things that I find along the way like that. And then on why is that, I'm just interrogating subjects that I think are interesting, you know, to find the answer behind. So whether it's like, how does a piece of artwork get its price to, um, you know, why are luxury brands so appealing in a country where we have like um, a struggling economy, you know, um, another one that's coming up is around babies, actually, what, like, you know, baby fever, we're talking about if it's a real thing, is it a biological, ah. a biological thing that, like, hits you in your 30s and that you need a baby, um, or is it yes. just, like, social pressure, you know, like, where does that come from? So it's just an interesting, like, study of different questions um, presented as a podcast. And then as for Yasmin Kavi on YouTube... <laughs> I think I was just trying out the media. I discovered very quickly it's not for me. All the editing and shooting and all of it, it just felt like, you know, too much work for me. So I respect YouTubers. Um, I also do, man. Those guys honestly do so much work and, and they, they get so much flack for being on YouTube. So, yeah. yeah, no, like shout out to them because, yeah, yeah. that's why I'm sticking to podcasting as well. <laughs> Don't have to worry about makeup and the like. Exactly. Okay, Savi, so, so for people who are listening to your story and they're like, hmm, I might be interested in, 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 in delving into the creative industry. Firstly, what type, is there a specific personality and what advice would you give to someone who's considering going into the industry? I mean, I think the creative industry is one of those that's well suited to like a huge population. You know, I, I don't hold the opinion that it's necessarily just about talent. Um, it's about taking your point of view, your experiences, everything that you know, and uh, 
specifically in advertising, turning that into engaging communication. And I really believe that so many of us can do this. Um, it's also a skill that you can refine. So whether you find that you want to be an advertising writer or you want to be someone that's an art director or designer, um, you know, you can refine the skill as you go along. So um, I think it's well suited to a lot of people. Actually, this presents an opportunity for me to talk about the fact that um, you know, if you're over 18 and you're, you want to break into the advertising industry without a university degree, because we all know the registration fees and all of that uh, um, insane. Is, is crazy in South Africa. So if you want to do that, you can actually apply for something called D&AD shift um, by the 26th of April. I hope this episode will be out by then. Sorry, D&AD- sorry, I didn't hear that. So sorry. Yeah, sorry, Khabi, can you just re- re- repeat that? Because I think there was a bit of a break in transmission there. Sorry, so the, the initiative is called D&AD Shift. Um, you can apply for it. I think they're training people. I believe there's um, some kind of um, an internship or qualification that they're providing. DNAD is a, a, a massively prestigious organization in the creative industry. And so I think young people who are looking to get in without a uni education can definitely do that um, by applying for this initiative by um, the 26th of this month. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay, 26th of April. Okay, yeah. ditto, ditto. We okay. have to put the T- podcast episode out by then, basically. Yeah, yeah. and I'm just like, um, I don't know. Two days, at least. Okay, okay, two last questions. I've absolutely loved chatting to you. This is a question I ask all my guests. um, Because we call the Superpower Podcast, when you think of your superpower, Mkhabi, what do you think that is? Sure, I think my superpower is adaptability. You know, Mm. and I think it's really important for my career, but also, you know, being a mom, living in the world. (laughs) <laughs> during a pandemic. Um, I think it's very important for relationships as well. So just, you know, I'm quite a shapeshifter. Like I'm good under pressure. Um, I'm happy in a lot of environments. And I think it's a, it's a, you know, it's to do with the kind of upbringing I had between like a really rural setting and then the township and then a small town and then a bigger city and then the biggest city and then a bit of traveling as well. So just learning not to be Bari and, you know. <laughs> Jim comes to Jovek. <laughs> you know, in many scenarios. So I think I'm good in a lot of situations and I, I believe that really is my superpower. Fantastic adaptability, which I know we all actually need to have in our arsenal. All right, Nkhabi, if people really like you and they're like, sure, this is a cool chick, I want to connect with her, I want to follow her, what are your contact details, Instagram handles, the lot, Twitter, everything? Sure, I'm at Nkhabi underscore Mudao on Instagram and Twitter, so super accessible on both platforms. I'd love to hear if people want to connect on those platforms. Fantastic. This was absolutely awesome. I am like that's a, a, that's a, a nice conversation, like, <laughs> But thanks so much, Nkhabi, yeah. for joining us on the Superpower Podcast and can't wait to see 
what the next 10 years actually holds for Think Creative and Me for too. you and for Mokondi. Impressive work that you guys are doing. Me too. And thank you. And congratulations on this podcast. I know that's long overdue, but it's really, really cool. Awesome. All right. Cheers. Look at you. You made it all the way to the end. Thanks so much for checking out the Superpower Podcast and listening to an incredible story of the amazing woman that we have in the country. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and like, comment, share on social media, share with your friends, share with your workers. Man, let's let's spread the message. Let's spread the love. Um, Till next time. Cheers.